guys. This is Joy. And this is Claire. This is episode 330 of the Girls Gone Wild podcast. This week we're sponsored by Kettlebell Kitchen. Kettlebellkitchen.com. The discount code is GGW. If you haven't tried Kettlebell Kitchen yet, get on it. They have, they keep improving their packaging, Claire. Have you noticed it? Oh, yes. Yeah, it's it's really delightful. So everything is like packed in tight. They put like new covers over their food so nothing spills. It's quite delightful. And not to mention the food is delicious, as we say, every single week. So you can support the podcast by supporting kettlebellkitchen.com. Again, the discount code is GGW. We have Laura Legos back on the show this week because Laura is one of our favorite people in the whole wide world to interview and especially talking about diet, nutrition, um, she is a dietitian. She, she's the sassy dietitian. Hey, Laura. Hi, friends. It's it's just like old times. Like we're back. We're back on the podcast. We have a lot of things to process. There's a lot of things in the news with dietitians. And so we, I mean, you and I, like Marco Polo and text all the time. So I was like, oh my God, oh my God, we have to talk about this. <laughs> I know. It's honestly been so much fun because I feel like no one sees that side, but Joy and I, and I'm sorry, Claire, we don't, we're not trying to leave you out. <laughs> I miss Claire. I'm like, I wish. Yeah, we what the hell, guys? We probably need, we probably need a group Marco. Group actually, Marcos. But, group Marcos yeah, are the yeah. new thing. For real. We probably need that. But yeah, it's been fun to kind of talk through some of this because, yeah. you know, just two health professionals in different aspects. It's kind of fun to just bounce ideas and like, it's hard because I'm in private practice. So I don't normally get the same camaraderie and the same network as say a dietitian would in a hospital where you just have doctors and therapists and everything. Right. Like you have like a treatment team and like a clinical setting. And yeah, I can imagine it's a little isolating. So yeah, that's, it's great. So yeah, I mean, we've definitely been bouncing a lot of ideas as far as what's going on in the news lately, especially with CrossFit and dietitians. And so we'll get to that in a second. But I think first and foremost, a question that I've been really wanting to talk about is the pathway to see a dietitian. And something that you and I were talking about recently was, you know, in the past, I want you to talk about, Laura, I want you to talk about why people would come to a dietitian. And now it's just kind of like this free for all pathway of in the past, maybe someone was going to a dietitian because their doctor referred them. Well, now everyone and their brother is like, I just need to see a dietitian. And then they they just kind of see someone on social media that has some kind of certification and think that that's someone that they should take nutrition advice from. So can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. And I think it's almost, um, I'll kind of edit it a little bit. I think people think that they need to see some type of nutritionist and not necessarily a dietitian. So it's almost like everyone thinks that they should somehow see a nutritionist of some sort. And that's, I think, where the confusion comes in because it's like, okay, I have this question. What do I do with it? I'm just going to go to whoever I think might have the answer or the abs to help me out. Um, But yeah, I mean, traditionally, dietitians are meant for... I guess there's a there's a few roles that we play, um, but if you think about it in the clinical side of things, it's more for when um, someone has some type of disease um, or beginning stages of a disease and they need dietary intervention and counseling. And so that's when dietitians were t- are typically referred to a doctor. So for instance, in like the very clinical side of it, when you're in the hospital, a lot of times you are, you basically get... Um, like as a dietitian in the hospital, you're getting um, referrals every day from the doctors and you're getting flagged by doctors and nurses and other people in the treatment um, team for reasons that you need to go to see the patient, whether it's diabetes education or heart 
health diet or education. Um, for some severe cases, it's tube feedings or um, feeding, it's called TPN, and it's through the veins. Um, those are some very, cl- like, clinical side of it. And then you also start having the referral side to outpatients, a referral from a doctor because you have prediabetes and you need to get counseling to start improving your blood sugar. Um, And that's obviously the very clinical side of it, but that's really like what we are highly educated in is working with patients' labs and disease states and giving them medical nutrition therapy to help them improve their health. Um, We can't cure anything. I mean, nutrition's great, but it's not necessarily supposed to cure. Like that's a word you almost, we never use, Um, but we help to treat, educate, and counsel our clients. And, you know, now you can push off into the private practice, which is more what I do on the prevention side of things. And that's where referrals can be difficult because it didn't used to be difficult. It was pretty straightforward. Like your doctor or someone in your treatment team would say, you know, it'd be great if you went to a diet. Um, and I, I actually get a lot of referrals from doctors. Um, and it's not, for me, it's not necessarily that they have a disease state, uh, but they have some type of concern that would require, could require nutrition intervention. Like maybe they have IBS, um, which, okay, I guess that's a diagnosis, but um, it's, not necess- it's not always severe, um, but it's something that we could prevent and we can improve their health upon. So um, that's kind of like the higher level of what's happening with dietitians um, and has been for years. And now you have the whole, I think, social media world, <laughs> which is why it got so bad. Uh, somebody actually posted on my Instagram post, like CrossFit versus dietitians, and asked where I thought the problem was stemming from. And they listed like a few choices. And I was like, how about social media? Because certainly there's a lot of different avenues that have created problems within the nutrition field, but I truly believe that social media, while it's a great education platform, it also is causing a lot of confusion when it comes to nutrition. And so people see, um, you know, so-and-so eating a certain way and training a certain way and looking a certain way and they reach out. And after someone reaches out for so many times, the person's like, oh, I could do this. I'm a nutrition coach. And now this pr- people think that, oh, I should go to you because you're selling X, Y, and Z challenge. And I could maybe use that because I'm a CrossFitter who wants to lose five pounds and get 20 pull-ups. So um, that's kind of the spectrum of it. And obviously there's many reasons why I don't agree with this um, and why I'm frustrated with it, but I hope that answered the question. Yeah. So the other thing I wanted to bring up was it's got to be hard. And I think this could go a lot of different ways, but I know it's really hard to be in a profession like yours where you are wanting to market yourself on social media um, to get clients or to just put information out. I mean, you're not like trying to sell anything, but you're really, really trying to educate and do it well and do it correctly and doing and do it ethically. But the other thing that's difficult is you're kind of waiting in this sea of crap where you're trying to put out information where it's just really muddy, like the waters are really muddy. So this, the setting that you're in is really difficult to navigate to get the information out there without just kind of, you know, wading through all the crap that, that you're kind of sitting in with you. So that's got to be really hard too. It's kind of like the bottom line is it's not a great setting for you to be doing what you're doing because you're kind of up against all this crap information. Totally. And I get I, I mean, to be completely transparent, I get frustrated a lot. And when I get frustrated, 
I don't lash out on Instagram. I don't really, I'm not a lashing out person anyway. Um, but when I'm frustrated, I tend to kind of close down a bit. And so you'll, you, I mean, for my followers out there, you'll see sometimes like I go through phases where I'm not posting as much and it's because I'm either I'm busy, um, but sometimes I'm frustrated and I don't want my posts to be coming out of frustration. I want them to come from a place of thoughtful education and obviously like some sass and fun, um, but it can be really hard. And, you know, Joy and I talk about this in your in our profession and the healthcare field, like the first rule of thumb is do no harm. And so I'm always constantly thinking like, how is this going to affect the people that I'm trying to help? And it's really hard. I mean, I'm sure there's things I put out there that probably don't help someone, but I try to really be thoughtful and say, okay, I, as a dietitian, I got into this field to help improve the health of others. And I, while social media is great for reaching a lot of people, it can, it's also the opportunity to do a lot of harm, which is what I'm, what you're saying. Like I'm seeing yeah. that from a lot of people and it, it breaks my heart because people are so confused. Yeah. So, so do no harm truly is when we are in a practice where you are treating a patient and you know when you're about to practice outside of your scope, that is something that you have to refine and you're trained to recognize. And so I think the really difficult and frustrating piece is that people out in social media really don't understand that. So can you talk a little bit about, um, I, I know one of, list, one of the listeners asked about a you know certifications that are out there and what can they be looking for so that they can be speaking to someone who knows what they're talking about and they can get their advice from a reputable source. And I'm not talking like everyone has to have a PhD, but what is it that people need to be looking for? So, I mean, it really depends why you're looking. And normally... If you if you go to a dietitian and you ask, say, like, what your your needs are, they'll be able to tell you if they can help you or not. They're pretty. I would say most are pretty transparent um, because they know that they don't know everything, and that's obviously not every dietitian, right? Every profession, as we always say, has good ones and bad ones. So keep that in mind. But you're basically, if you're looking for like the top of the top, you're going to look for registered dietitians, or it's also been called registered dietitian nutritionists. Um, it both are one and the same. They're interchangeable or certified nutrition specialists who have pretty much the same schooling and um, supervised practice. And in, I don't know if it's all states, but I know like Dana from Real Food with Dana, she is a certified, and I might be even saying this wrong, but she's a CNS, but she's also a licensed dietitian. And because her schooling and her experience and her like amount of practice hours allows her to be considered a dietitian within her state. And so those are two, if you're just based, like that's almost a good way to weed and say, okay, I have an actual nutrition problem and I'm concerned for my health because X, Y, and Z, a dietitian or a CNS are like your two top tiers of people who are educated and experienced enough to know. The thing is, is that they're going to probably know what they don't know. And that's, it, or, you know, that's important to know. It's like, important know. to know what you don't know. If you know what you don't know, that is key. Yeah. I mean, I know that I do not deal with active eating disorders. Right. And so can I stop you really quick too? Cause that's another thing yeah. not to interrupt you, but that's something else that I'm really passionate about is that tell me a little bit about your profession and, and are you trained to recognize eating disorder behavior? So yes. And we're, so we're taught to look for signs and symptoms and behaviors in eating disorder patients. Okay. However, I personally don't feel that I have the in enough experience with that population or the proper 
like treatment team to surround myself with. And that's something we were always encouraged is that an eating disorder is not a food necessarily like a nutrition problem. Mm-mm. It's almost like nutrition is the way that it's presented. And so it's you need a whole treatment team to help with an eating disorder. And so you're almost... I don't know any dietitian in the eating disorder field who's working alone. Right. So I think my question more specifically too is that my concern and that just listeners out there, if you're working with someone who maybe doesn't have a significant amount of training in, in nutrition, my big concern is that if nutritionists or people who maybe have less formal training are teaching people about nutrition, and it kind of takes a turn into an eating disorder, those people do not know the signs and symptoms of what to look for, nor do they know how to handle it, nor do they know how to refer. And that is what terrifies me because I know it's running rampant in social media and on platforms where people are just kind of like, take my training program. And then all of a sudden people are left with these feelings that are like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to deal with it. And then we kind of are throwing people this really, really bad situation. So that's another thing I think is important for you to discuss too, of when that happens, um, or if you've seen it happen, or people who've kind of been coming to you from programs that may have done that to them. It just, I just want people to be aware of that, is the people they're talking to do not know how to recognize the signs and symptoms of an eating disorder, or if it turns into that, which a lot of people it does, because there's more people than not that have those tendencies to just take something to the extreme, especially around eating. It's so true. And I feel like, unfortunately, the culture right now in a lot of these programs is that everything is wonderful. And so no one feels like they can speak up. They feel like it's just them. Like everyone is having success and everyone loves it and every, everything's great. And behind the scenes, it's not. <laughs> well, the other thing is they there's a lot of Facebook groups and people are like, you can do it. And the, the mentality is really, really not lovely. It doesn't breed a positive environment. Let's just say that. So let's jump into some of the listener questions because I know we're probably going to co- cover more of my questions with some of what the listener <laughs> questions asked. So someone asked... I feel like I can't reach my CrossFit slash body comp goals without macro counting. Help. Whoa, that's a loaded question. So I would look at the whole picture. Like what, I I don't even know where to start, but like how many days are you doing CrossFit and what are you doing on macros that you're not doing in your normal life? And what are your body comp goals? Where are you now? Or maybe you don't need to have any other goals. Maybe you're a great weight and composition right now. So that kind of turns us around to the, are your goals based off of an unrealistic body expectation? And that's a really good point is like, are you basing your body comp goals off of a before and after picture you saw? on Instagram? Is it off a CrossFit Games athlete who's training eight hours a day? Is it, you know, is it that extra five pounds that like, maybe if you lost it, like you'd have to not go hang out with friends and enjoy weddings. And it's not really actually causing any health issues. Um, So that's actually a really great point. And so yeah, like what, why is that your goal? And then you know, what is it about macros that makes you successful? Because it's not that counting your calories or your macros once in a while can be a bad thing if it's not causing obsession. But if it's a 24-7, 365, I always ask my clients, is this where you want to be in five years? And is this where you want to be in 10 years? Is this where you want to be when you're a grandparent to your grandchildren? And I 
would hope everyone would say no. And so we start saying, okay, what is it about macros that is successful for you? For a lot of people, it's just accountability, it's planning, it's being thoughtful and mindful around food. Um, And so how can we start using what we learned from that and run with it and say, okay, maybe it's that you're just meal planning. Okay, can we meal plan? and plan your meals for the week and start actually thinking through what meals would make sense without tracking the actual numbers. Um, Is it that you're more mindful about if you're hungry or not? And if you feel like without it, you don't realize if you're hungry or not, maybe we need to sit down and eat our meals. Maybe we need to slow our roll a little bit. Like, and we, it's hard to say like why macros is working and then quote unquote, you know, off macros is not working, but um, yeah, I think you can come at it from a few approaches there. Yeah, I I know I threw a very loaded question because there's so many follow-up questions we need, (laughs) but I think you answered it as best as you could because this is one where you're like, I need more information. Okay, so moving on, I eat to stuff my feelings. What kind of dietitian slash therapist should I look for? I can answer part of this too. I was gonna say, I feel like this is a double-edged sword. Um, It honestly on a food side, it depends. So like, and obviously Joy can talk to this too. Like if it's a binge eating disorder, if it's extreme, um, obviously you're going to be looking for some type of outpatient dietitian who specializes in eating disorder or disordered eating. Um, But if it's truly just like I had a bad day and I have a bowl of ice cream, like it's, that happens guys. Like I do it too. (laughs) Um, but it's when like you can't stop eating and you're almost like, um, you may be able to explain this further, but it's like, you just, it's like a compulsory behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, that's obviously more clinical. Truly when you feel like you're out of control and you feel like you're kind of going through this cycle of afterwards, you have extreme guilt and then you're just feeling terrible and, Um, I think it kind of depends, like you said, on the spectrum of this, but I would just say to keep it more simple, if you aren't in therapy at all, just please start with a therapist. And we have all the resources of how to find a therapist on our uh, Instagram highlights. Um, But please speak with a therapist. I think that will help you navigate whether or not you need to see a specialist. I think starting there is a really great place to start if you have no therapist at this time. I agree. And I send a lot of my clients to therapists because we can work through some of that like relational stuff with food sure. and like how to how to design a better diet for you. And once again, diet is not a restriction. It's just the way you eat. Um, <clears throat> but I can't undo other issues going on in your life or from your past. Like that's not my scope. And so when I start seeing that there's some and, you know, I've had a few clients that this happens with and I'm like, there's so much going on in your life that it would benefit you to go work through this first because that's far more important. You know, if it's all the skeletons in your past or your current situation, like I can't help you with that diet wise. And I can help you probably once you work through it, if it truly is an issue. Well, I would also argue that you're probably dealing with so many emotions and that it's got to be a really hard position for you to be in because food is an emotional relationship for most people that are probably working with you. And so I can imagine that there's a lot of that that goes on. Um, I I just can't imagine it being like (laughs) separate. They're all so tied together. So, I mean, especially for people who need specialty treatment, um, you know, working with a dietitian and a therapist together is a great idea. And I think a good rule of thumb for a dietitian or nutritionist um, when you're 
you're talking through your past history with food and diet, they should listen and they should remember. So I've had a lot of clients come to me and like they're they're in tears at this point because they've worked with all these health coaches and macro coaches who don't listen to them. Like your dietitian should be listening. You should, they should be saying like, oh, I've, you know, I think you're, you're, fr- you seem frustrated with that. Like they should be acknowledging everything that's going on and what you're saying and meet you where you are. And I think, unfortunately, some of the, the professions or the certi- certifications who don't, you don't have that experience, what happens is they don't necessarily hear you. And it's not because they're malicious or they don't want what's best for you. It's they don't know what they trained. don't know. Yeah, exactly. And they're not trained to hear it. So when you say, um, I'm hungry and I, you know, I want to eat more, they think, okay, but you're at, you're at your limit and you want, you you know, weight loss is the goal here. Just power through it and drink water or, or go for a walk. Like I've actually heard clients say that to me and I'm like, that sucks because you didn't say, like, you probably told them other things that were going on. And first off, if you're hungry, you should be eating. But also, like, why were they not listening? You know, they weren't hearing the big picture of everything else going on. Um, and that's a pretty telltale sign of them not knowing what they don't know. I kind of wanted to jump into the, like, why is hu- um, hunger seen as such a bad thing? <laughs> um, but someone did ask, this may cover it too, and then I want to talk about the CrossFit thing before we forget about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> how much to eat, knowing how much to eat, I want to lose weight, but if I eat too little, I'm hangry. So that's, again, going back to the, like, restriction, restriction, restriction is in this question. Yes. Um, I actually just had our conversation. I was at a bachelorette party, and it was so much fun. And I was eating chips and queso. I know it's shocking, a dietitian doing that. But I had one of the girls come up to me, and she goes, it is so refreshing to see a dietitian eating that. And I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, I just feel like in this day and age, like, I don't know, like, it does seems like that's really unhealthy. And you're not sitting here like judging anyone and you're joining. And I was like, right, because I don't, I don't put restrictions on what I eat. But I eat relatively healthy, healthy most of the time, because it's a goal of mine that and not maybe a goal of mine, but I, I feel best when I'm eating fruits and vegetables and whatnot. So, um, you know, I think it's a matter of figuring out what those restrictions are, why they were put on, and then like, why are you hangry? You know, you're obviously probably under eating. Um, and then a lot of people, what happens is that they overcompensate on weekends and holidays and parties because they're so hungry. Um, or maybe not even weekends or holidays. It's like the next day, you know, so they eat a thousand calories one day and the next day they're eating 3,500 calories because they're so hungry. They can't stop. Um, and I'm not saying like a, in a binge way, but just like I'm starving because I'm trying to compensate and then they overcompensate. So, um, it's kind of trying to, we, with a lot of my clients, we take off a lot of restriction, but then we give some guidelines. Like, are you eating your vegetables today? Not saying you have to weigh and measure your vegetables and have 500 vegetables a day, but are you eating any vegetables today? Like, just look at your plates. Take some pictures of your food and send it to me. Um, And start just kind of realizing, what am I doing? How much food am I actually eating um, on the days that I'm hungry versus the days that I'm not? Um, And so we bring some more, like, mindfulness into it to try to to become more intuitive because intuitive eating, as we've said before, it's not easy. It's not like, you know, a walk in the park, unfortunately, especially – with all we're inundated with daily. Um, what else so, was she asking? <laughs> oh, I have a I have a follow up question. Yeah. 
Yeah. Also, I feel like I haven't said anything at this episode and I just am like <laughs> hey, getting up to your being like, but <laughs> so I feel like with that question and also with a couple of the other things we've talked about, one thing that stands out to me about a lot of the things that are sort of, I don't want to say anti-diet, but sort of, you know, around this topic of uh, sort of assuming that a lot of people's requests for information about nutrition from not the best sources come from a place of doing it for the wrong reason. Mm. And I think that that yeah, that's a lot of what I see in terms of the social media posts of like, well, you know, if you're feeling like you're hangry, then just keep, you know, then just go back to eating. And I think that I also want to bring up the point that there's a difference between, and I know you guys agree with me on this, but I just feel like I need to verbalize it. Like there's a difference between saying, hey, I want to lose some weight or, hey, I'm not happy with my habits and therefore I want to change them versus like, hey, I'm immediately setting myself down this unhealthy, this unhealthy path. And I feel like the conversation around diet habits has just become so convoluted out there on the social medias that it is really hard to see the forest through the trees for the people who truly are like, hey, I'm not telling, I'm not saying that, you know, I, I just have like a cup of yogurt for breakfast and then, a, you know, cherry tomato for lunch and come home and I'm confused about why I'm hungry. Um, or, you know, I get hangry and what can I do? But I also don't want to invalidate that the underlying thing, which is, Hey, I want to lose some weight and what can I do here to make that happen? And rather than kind of just saying, well, I mean, yes, why do you want to lose weight? That's an important question to be asking yourself, but there are valid reasons out there for wanting to lose weight and they don't necessarily have to be, you know, based on, medical factors, they can, like, it's okay to have aesthetic goals. And I just want to acknowledge that because I think for us to sit here and have this conversation as three, like very, you know, we have bodies, all of us have bodies that are very much within the realm, if not even towards the top of what is kind of considered societally desirable. I think there's a bigger, another big issue that we tend to overlook that has, is starting to like scratch away at my brain, which is like, Hey, there are people out there who are being told day in and day out, your body doesn't fit into the way that it should. And a tool that you can use is dieting. And whether or not, you know, we could have a conversation all day long about the societal messages behind that. But when it comes to actually wanting to seek something out for those purposes, like more so what we're trying to get at here is like, there's a, there are better and worse ways to do that. But the fact that you want to do that in and of itself does not automatically, it's not automatically a bad thing. Would you agree with that? Totally. And I think it's when it becomes unhealthy and obsessive, then it can become a problem. But, you know, I think we talked about this a little bit before, too, is that, you know, there's these camps of like weight management, you need to lose weight in order to be healthy. And then there's haze, you know, you need to not worry about your weight, you are healthy the way you are. I think what you're saying exactly is that like, there is an in between, and it's okay that there's an in between. It's when it becomes uh, unhealthy in the sense that like you can't just live your life without thinking about your numbers and macros. It's when you have to weigh yourself every day just to acknowledge that you are worth it or you have value. And I think the major I would argue that the majority of women are dealing with a very complicated relationship with food and bodies. And so I think that's why I err on the side of like, this is just a dangerous territory for people to go down because the likelihood of it turning into something really negative towards their, their self-worth, it's just, it's such a high likelihood. Definitely. And I think it's because people are constantly inundated with it. And 
it was funny being around all girls this weekend. Like we had a conversation about something and I'm like, you know, what's crazy is that guys don't normally have conversations about this. Cause I spend a lot of time with guys in my gym. And so I'm like, it's interesting being, you know, a dietitian and trying, like I observe, you know, I don't, I'm not judging. I'm just like observing the two extremes. And I'm like, you know, girls are constantly talking about their bodies and their food and what they're eating and guys are normally not. Um, not to say that they're immune from it, but it's just, and not to say that they don't do it, but it's interesting to see that women are very, because they're, and I'm, you know, I watch people scroll and they have yeah, Kardashians on their It's almost like this subconscious have, thing that just runs in our system. And it it's crazy. It's crazy how it comes out. But yeah, uh, don't even get me started on the Kardashians. <laughs> oh no, I'm totally not a fan and don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But it's interesting because people have it on there almost because it's like, just normal. It's almost like, oh, everyone's following them. So I want to see what's going on. But it's like, we don't realize what we can't see. Like, you know, we might, we see it, but we don't process it. And so we have these thoughts in our head of what's normal. It's like, okay, Kardashians are not normal, but we're seeing it all the time. So we almost think that it is. Okay. So I have one question and then we can talk about the CrossFit thing. I know I keep saying that, but I, (laughs) back to the hunger thing, I recently saw and listened to, I listened a lot to the Appetite from Opal Food and Body, and they recently posted something that was like, appetite is your first relationship, something about like your relationship with appetite is is like the first step in your relationship with food. And I know I recently asked you, I was like, I can't stop eating today. And there was like this weird thing that on days when I'm especially hungry and I can't, I feel like I feel like I'm always hungry and I can't stop eating. There's this level of guilt that kicks in where I'm like, why do I have to keep eating? So can you just browse through quickly what you told me as far as like what contributes to hunger? And And it's just really helpful because I was like, okay, good. I just needed this reminder that hunger is not a bad thing and it's okay if I'm hungry all day. It says appetite is the first necessary element to our relationship with food. And that's from Julie Church, who's a RDN on a podcast called The Appetite, episode 64. That is a great podcast as well. Joy introduced me to it and it's I, I really like it. I think it's pretty great. Basically, um, I, I hope I say it as well as I did before, but yeah, hunger is a beautiful thing. Having an appetite is a beautiful thing. And actually in the hospital, we diagnose a lot of people having a nutrition problem because they don't have an appetite, um, which happens a lot of the times when you're having you know, post-surgery or dis- you have an active disease state. Um, so it really is a problem that we deal with. But having an appetite is a beautiful thing. And it can totally be because, especially someone like Joy, she's super active um, and she works out regularly. She walks her dog. Um, She is living and breathing and active and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, So she needs to fuel that activity and not to mention um, she's a female with varying hormones and certain times of the month you tend to crave certain foods and more of it um, and there's nothing wrong with that. I don't know if I mentioned anything else, but you know, it's, you talked, it's crazy. A, you talked a little bit about like, it sometimes can depend on like how many calories you ate or consumed days before and oh. how it kind of, you know, really can impact your hunger. And I, I certainly don't want to say that like, oh, people who, I don't know, like I wasn't like intentionally not eating days before because I eat very consistently, but I can imagine that people who maybe, you know, forget to eat or something along those lines will be like their, their hunger will be more intense on some days. Totally. And, you know, a lot of times when I'm looking at clients, I actually look over a seven-day period instead of just a one-day period. Um, And certainly you can look at further than that, but I try not to have most of my clients track more than that. Um, And so, 
over a seven day period, like, yeah, okay, you might eat 1600 calories one day and then 2400 the next and your goal is around 2000. So that's about what, where your body wants to be and where your body and I'm that was totally I'm not like throwing that out there for anyone's specific number, but just as, as an example. And so like maybe you ate 1600 calories the next day and the next day your body was like, oh, we were super active yesterday. We were just busy and we, you know, it wasn't like top of mind to eat an extra snack. And now it's the next day and I'm still active. And I'm still moving and I'm still living, breathing and functioning. And so I'm going to be more hungry today because I didn't eat as much as I needed yesterday. And um, it, normally the body is pretty smart. Once you're in tune with what's going on, you can kind of start feeling like, okay, I am hungry. I should eat something. Um, the problem with, I think, intuitive eating is that we have processed food. And so processed food is like almost too enjoyable for most. And so we intuitively eat because we're hungry, but then we end up eating food that is hyper palatable, meaning it's super easy to eat and super easy to overeat. And it's not super nutri nutrient dense. So it doesn't have a ton of vitamins and minerals and fiber to actually hold us over and, and make us feel full. Um, and so that can also lead us astray into the intuitive eating side of things. Yeah, that's a whole nother topic for another day. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Can we switch gears then and talk about the quote unquote controversy with CrossFit versus dietitians? Yes. What are your thoughts? Definitely. Well, I have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> Let's talk I, about what it was for a lot of people who may not follow CrossFit very closely who listen. So this is not the first time that CrossFit has basically said that dietitians are terrible. Obviously, that's um, not exactly what they said. But where this started, where this current controversy started is that the Morning Chalk Up actually put an email out with this article, but it's not their doing. Like, right, they weren't the ones that actually caused this issue. Um, they just announced it to the world. So what happened was there was a health coach who was practicing in Florida. <clears throat> she also had a practice in California. And I'm unclear of which state she was in first, but a health coach. So her certification is just um, by a certain health coach governing body. It's just a certification certification. That's how it was. Certificate. Certification. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and so she in Florida, so every uh, state has different licensing laws for dietitians. So in some states, you have to be a licensed dietitian to offer nutrition advice and counseling um, paid. So she basically got in trouble with the state of Florida and they retracted her health coach and practice and everything and basically told her she could not do business under her practice anymore. And she became up in arms because, uh, or I don't even know if it was her, but like the whole case blew up and everyone said that it was a violation of freedom of speech because they said that she should have be able to talk about nutrition and whatnot. But the thing was, is that they weren't actually claiming that she shouldn't talk about nutrition. It's that she had a private practice where she was pretty much using like the same type of questionnaire and intake form that I would use, which is more medically based of like checking their medical history, checking their um, health history and everything in between. <clears throat> and so she was doing that and it's actually against the law in places like Florida to do engage in that activity actually doing nutrition counseling and education for pay. And so the problem that I had is that, okay, like, you know, I feel bad for her because I don't think she went into this ill-intentioned, but 
it was against the law. And then CrossFit comes out and supports this and basically says that dietitians, <clears throat> there's a few things that they said, that dietitians want a monopoly on the nutrition world because they want to basically make all the money off of it, which is funny because dietitians don't really make all that much in the grand scheme of things. And they basically claimed that dietitians are the reason for obesity and other health issues in the United States. And when I read that, I was like, this is honestly infuriating because there's so much wrong with that story that it, I, I literally, I, once again, like I'm not a fast reactor. So I like text joy and I'm like, what do I do with this information? Because I'm so upset by it and I don't know what to do. (laughs) Like, let's process this. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I need to talk this through because I don't want, I don't want to come out and be like, how dare you point the finger at me? Because I do believe in any situation that, you know, there's definitely faults in the dietitian side. I don't think that we're perfect or we're, you know, the perfect profession, However, to basically just point all of the fingers at us and say, you're the reason that, you know, obesity is a problem in the United States and you're the reason that, you know, everyone's having health issues, I think is really, um, it's an oversight. And their argument is because why are you causing the obesity problem, quote unquote problem? Because we haven't done anything about. Got it. Okay. It's all your fault. All of it. Okay. Yeah. And it's just like. Are you kidding? <laughs> I think you like you say this all the time and it's completely true, which is like, hey, listen, there's good good and bad dietitians, just like there's good and bad, you know, practitioners of literally every single thing. Literally out there. everything. Yeah. There are good and bad hairstylists. There are good and bad, you know, Uber drivers. There are good and bad, like every like every single thing you could look out there. If just because there are some people you know, in a, a given profession who aren't doing things the way that you think they should be done or who are just blatantly bad at their job doesn't mean that everyone in that profession is at fault or is to blame or is to look at and be like, well, you don't know what you're doing because I saw a dietitian once who all they did was handed me a copy of the food pyramid. Right. And what's crazy to me is that CrossFit is proactively reaching out to doctors and providing them education and a safe space to be like, this is CrossFit. We want to talk about CrossFit and we want to show you what we're doing and talk to you about our thoughts and our feelings. And I'm like, instead with dietitians, they're just like, nope, we don't care about you. You're doing a terrible job. Move on. Instead of recognizing that dietitians go through a ton of schooling and experience to get to where they are. And I think a lot of them would actually listen if they were given the respect, but there are so many of them are like, you know, I'm done with CrossFit because they literally do not care about our profession and they're pointing the finger at us. And we have a lot of things that we need to improve as a profession. However, like I'm seeing it, the younger generations are bringing the profession to a more proactive state. And I think that if CrossFit would embrace it, I think they would actually see that what we're doing is a good thing. And, you know, I think that we're also willing to learn. So it was, it was incredibly frustrating to read that and process it and say, okay, what am I going to do about it? So obviously I spoke up about it because I was like, I want people to know that this is not okay. And I also want to start educating people on why it's not okay and what dietitians actually do and what the difference even is between a dietitian and a health coach and why it matters. I think that's so huge. And I like that's, I mean, I know we always harp on that every single time you're on the podcast, but I think it still is just such like a huge area of misconception and misinformation and just lack of education for people out there who don't realize that a nutritionist and a dietitian are not the same thing. And 
you know, in the same way that like, I don't know, I'm going to like offend everyone if I make some some like, comparison between like some, <laughs> like a quack and a doctor. But like, you know, it's like you wouldn't go to like your crystal healer. Someone's going to be like, I went to my crystal healer instead of my doctor. You wouldn't go to your crystal healer and expect them to like be able to fix your, you know, to give you stitches. You know, you should also shouldn't go to like your crystal nutritionist right. who is, you know, anyway. And not guys, to be clear, I'm not saying that everyone out there who's charging their crystals under the form full moon is a crazy person. Just in, just a little bit. <laughs> um, but I think it's just like, it is such a huge area of misconception. And we still, every single time that we have you on the podcast, get those reactions of people who are like, wow, I really didn't realize, you know, that there was such a big difference in the scope of practice, in the amount of education. And, you know, that we're really just, I don't know, I just always like to to talk about that because it, it still just shocks me that people don't realize that there is a difference and that, yeah, and that you guys aren't just all sitting there handing out the food pyramid. No, and that's, you know, that's a misconception. And it's also hard because people think that a health coach is equivalent to a nutritionist or a dietitian. And I did some research. I'm starting to dig through a lot of the credentials and I kind of want to get have a list of all of them and what they entail um, just so that I have the background, but I also want to educate people on the difference because I don't, I think there's room for all of us. I think that if we all started working together and everyone knew their scope, we all could help people in different stages of their health and their nutrition and right. really make a good impact. But right now people don't know their scope. So they're messing with people. And now I get clients and I'm like undoing a lot of what a has lot been of damage. done. Yeah, which and is, I feel terrible. Right. And I think everyone has good intentions. I don't think everyone's out there to harm one another, but I agree with you. I think when people don't understand the scope of practice and they don't understand what do no harm means and truly in practice what that means. So one someone really did ask what if any respectable nutrition certs are are out there. Like, do you have recommendations of, yeah, you know, I would trust this person or yeah, I would trust this. I know it's a big question. I don't know if you did all your research. <laughs> Honestly. So I think the top two that I mentioned before, the RD and the CNS, those are your two go-tos. And the good thing about the two of them is they will be able to refer you out to other professionals if they feel like you're you don't need them. And so that would be the top two. Um, obviously, anyone who has their master's in nutritional sciences normally has a pretty good grasp because they've gone through almost everything that a dietitian has. They just didn't go through with the internship part of it. Um, however, they don't have a lot of practical experience. So a lot of them don't actually want to do private practice. That's They have different goals in the nutrition field. Um, but those are the main two. And then I always say like, if you are look, going to anybody else, like you have to really look and say, what is their education? Like, do they have an education in crystals or do they have an education in nutrition and they just decided to go the precision nutrition route? And I'm just throwing that one out there because it's a pretty common one. Um, so is their education kind of backing their now certification or is their education something different? And they just decided, you know what? I like nutrition. I like food. Let me talk about food to you. Um, that can be a pretty big red flag. You know, obviously, are they listening to you? It's like a huge one. Like I don't even know why I have to say that, but I can't believe how many clients come to me and they're like, I told the last person this and they literally just ignored it. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. So yeah, probably because they also didn't know what to do with it. But which leads me to another kind of side question is when gyms do, uh, let's just say either CrossFit gyms or any type of personal trainer who's really, you know, they're passionate about fitness and, you know, people, gosh, when I was first working out, people would always ask me like, what do you eat? And it's like, you know, I, I'm not here to give you nutrition advice, but like gyms always do like light little challenges here and there. What do you think about things that kind of 
seem pretty harmless. Like everyone's just trying to be healthy. And, you know, where do you fall on, on those situations? As far as like the challenges? Yeah, like even when coaches are like, hey, everybody, like here's how we... You know, giving out nutrition advice, really. So it's really hard. I think this is one of the questions too, right? Like, should trainers give nutrition advice? And yes. it's a really fine line. So what I tell, I mean, I think my gym is lucky because I happen to be there. That sounded really conceited. But like, my all my coaches know that they cannot give nutrition advice. What they know they can do is they can say, well, this is what I do and this is what works for me. But if you have anything more in detail, go talk to Laura. Like it's never a, this is what you should do comment. And we're lucky in my gym, I'm biased, but like if we've ever run a challenge or a program, I'm the head of it. So I know exactly what everyone's doing and have, you know, full transparency there. However, I've seen a lot of challenges go wrong at other gyms and it's been well-intentioned, but the trainer doesn't really have much nutrition education or uh, experience to actually back it up. And so what happens a lot of times, and this is something you can look for, is if there's like a black, black or white rules of like, oh, well, paleo is the only way or keto is the only way or intermittent fasting works for me and this is exactly how you do it and if you didn't do it that's why you're not seeing your results and this is how to do it harder um, I see that a lot of times it's like there's very black and white and the trainer is not able to talk about the gray space with you um, and, and meet you where you are so I don't really love challenges that aren't run by the correct people I mean I don't really love challenges to begin with but I kind of understand how they can be beneficial for a group setting because it can, it can really get people invested and involved and help people kind of like spur the whole, like, you know, getting rid of some sugar in their diet and improving the amount of vegetables they're eating. It can really, it can help. However, if the person who's leading it is very like black or white, um, if they use a supplement company like uh, Advocare or one of those terrible companies, like that's a red flag because they're going to start selling you everything that they, they think that you're supposed to need. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I don't know if that answered fully. No, that totally answers my question because I see that all the time. And it's a very natural, again, really good intention thing to do. And I've seen it a hundred times at the gyms I go to. Um, so that's that's good. It's good to know. Let's see. Can you really damage your metabolism? What's the actual pathway of a slower metabolism, I think is the question. But oh let's God, just start this. with can you really damage your metabolism? I think damage is too strong of a word because metabolism is basically just how you're breaking down nutrients and using them for energy. So if you completely damaged it, like you're not going to be alive. Um, so you can... Caught, I don't know what the right word would be, but you can kind of mess it up in certain ways. Um, and obviously, like heavy restriction can do that over time. Um, you like know, if you kind of throw it off track. Yeah. Right. I would say that. And it's not that you can't improve it. So reverse dieting is basically, it, it is a thing and it can work um, under the right circumstances and with the right professional. And basically what it does is your, your basal metabolic rate slows down because you keep feeding it less and less. And so your body learns how to operate on less and less. Um, so when you start feeding it more 
and you don't do it in a slow manner of building it back up, what can happen is you can see weight gain. Like someone who's eating 1,200 calories a day when really they need 2,400. And all of a sudden they see on Instagram that their favorite person is saying that they're eating 2,400 and showing their macros every day. They're like, oh, you're right. I should be doing that. And they go from 1,200 a day to 2,400 a day. Their body kind of panics and doesn't know what to do with it because it's not it's, it was thrown off track. It has no idea. It's like, oh, I thought we were operating at this lower level, so I was okay with it. And now that we have excess, I don't necessarily know what to do with it all. So I'm going to store it because I'm worried what's going to happen next. <laughs> but it's a, I mean, it's a very big conversation, and that was obviously dumbing it down. But no, I love it. We're like so short on time that I all these questions I. I'm sure we could probably talk an entire episode about so. um, But I appreciate that. That's really good information. Last question, then we got to wrap up. What are your favorite products right now? Because I love watching your Insta stories. You always have fun products and recipes. I have recipe uh, envy because I wish I could cook like you. What are the things that you're loving? And where do you find all the new products, food products? And I feel the need to tell you that I did finally try Swapples. This is like years ago that we oh first God, you were first talking so about this funny. but they were like somebody had them at my work and I was like oh my god can I please have one of those? <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious I hope you like them um they're very dense and I love them where do I find all the products that's like when people are scrolling and looking at bodies I'm honestly looking at food pictures and different brands <laughs> oh that's so great like I I was having conversations with these girls I didn't know a lot of them so I'm like you know trying to you know get to know them small talk at the bachelor talking- party <laughs> Yeah. And we're like talking about food and every single food that was brought up. I was like, I love that food. I love that food. I love the food. They're like, we get it. You love food. I'm like, oh my God, I do. (laughs) So I'm constantly like, I love grocery shopping. And I, when I go grocery shopping, I constantly, I actually will go down the aisles and I'm just curious what's new. Like it drives my husband crazy. He's like, he doesn't go grocery shopping with me nine times out of 10 because it's a very long trip sometimes. And I'm like, I just, I like to educate myself on that. And I also go to shows. So I'm like going to Expo East next month. I'll go probably to the food and nutrition conference. So I like to, I like to find these brands. You're going to Expo East? Yeah. Me too. You are? I work for the company that puts on Expo East. Oh my God. Yes. I'm going. Come visit me. I'm going to be at the info booth like the whole time. Oh my God. Yes. Wait, there's a little like influencer summit. Are you going? Uh, No, I'm going on an influencer summit. I'm no. (laughs) That's so funny. We're going to catch up. I can't wait. Yeah. Everyone else who's listening is going to Expo East. Come hang out. Come find me at the info booth because I'll be sitting there the whole time. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm so excited. Come hang out. Can't wait. Um, It's so overwhelming by the way. So I'll need that reprieve. So yeah, I go to shows like that and I love trying new products. I love seeing what's out there and and, you know, some things stick, some things don't. And to top it off, I really love talking to the actual brands. And if I feel really comfortable with a brand, I want to support the heck out of them because they just, the there are people behind it who matter and they can make a really big impact if they have the support to do so. So I'm also like kind of on that side of things too. I get really pumped behind the actual people behind it. It goes a long way, you know, like yeah. when you do sponsors or what have you, are you always kind of on the lookout for people? like good people always 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 and it has to align with my brand and I I won't do things just for money I won't push something just because someone's like hey here here's a bunch of money do it I have to really love the product I have to try the product first I have to use it I have to make sure that I actually like it Um, and I'm not sponsored by everything 
that I post. You know, I there are brands that I truly eat every day, and I'm like, people are probably like, what the heck? Um, but yeah, I get I get a lot through Instagram, some friends um, and family who will ask me questions about it, and then at grocery stores and and product shows. Those are probably the biggest ways that I find um, all the different brands. Oh, well, I'm excited for you guys to uh, hook up at Expo East. That's really fun. <laughs> Expo East is so much fun. It is so overwhelming. But yeah, if anyone else is going, let me know because it's nice to have friends there because it can be so overwhelming. It's like 5 million booths and you're like, I don't even know where I am. <laughs> okay. Are there any hot tips last? Okay. I know I said it was last question, but hot <laughs> tips for our listeners from the dietitian, maybe one thing they could start today that could improve their life in some way, shape or form. What's something you find yourself telling your clients all the time? Slow your roll. Definitely slow your roll. But, uh, I look a lot at, oh, I don't know, actually, there's a lot. I start looking at restrictions and start talking to yourself of like, okay, why am I restricting this? And what negative talk is around this food? Like, Mm -hmm. why do I think this food is bad? And why can't I have it? And then start thinking, is there a way that I could have this? Like ice cream is a great example that I use all the time. Maybe you can't have it in the, the house because it's a trigger food. Why can't you go get an ice cream cone with a friend and enjoy it? Like, just start thinking of ways you can enjoy your favorite foods and stop putting all this restriction on yourself. Um, because I actually find a lot of people are successful when they have less restriction. They end up eating the food that is feels restrictive less. That is like, 100% true. It's amazing. And I'm the same way. And it was fun to see the like someone connect the dots at the bachelor party. They're like, oh my God, you eat chips and queso and you're okay. And I'm like, yeah, because I don't eat chips and queso every day. But if it's out at a party, like I'm going to have a few and it's mm-hmm. going to be great. And I'm have I have no regrets. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the other thing, the other side of it is stop having such guilt. And I know it's not like white or black or white all the time, but like after you eat, you should, well, before you eat, you should feel hungry. And after you eat, you should feel not hungry. There shouldn't be these like other emotions of like, I feel, I feel terrible. I feel fat. I feel like a horrible person. I have all this guilt. Like it really should just be, I'm hungry. I'm not hungry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in, in relish in whatever it was and then move forward. Cause you know, that's, it's your life and you have to keep living. And I don't, you know, sitting in the past and worrying about the brownie that you ate an hour ago, a day ago, a week ago is not going to get you anywhere. Yeah. Okay. Where can our listeners find you if they don't already the sass- follow you? <laughs> <laughs> the Sassy Dietitian on Instagram and the SassyDietitian.com are the two areas and Expo East apparently is because Claire and I are going to be hanging out. <laughs> that's so exciting Yay. Laura thank you so much this was great and this was enlightening the hour went by way too fast I feel like we didn't cover just we just scratched the surface on everything <laughs> I wanted to talk to you about I knew that was going to happen but I so appreciate you taking the time after your bachelorette party weekend to hang out with us <laughs> always you guys are the best and thank you for keeping it real you really are one of my favorite podcasts and I just feel like it's so nice to have just people out there having real conversations about real life topics. Well, we like talking to people who are doing the same. So it's an honor to know you and call you a friend. We will keep doing this podcast and And being real. Please add me to your Marco group, guys, because seriously, (laughs) Uh, you're going to be annoyed because it's real. It's a lot. It's a lot of back and forth. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait. It's going to be great. All right, Laura. Well, listeners, please follow Laura Lagos, a sassy dietitian on Instagram. You can support the podcast by going to kettlebellkitchen.com. The discount code is GGW. We gave you so much information this week. Please send us an email. Let us know your thoughts. GirlsGoneWatt at gmail.com. That's it for this week. We'll see you next time. Bye, Bye everybody.